thanks a lot for the invite. It's very nice to be here. Thanks for the introduction. It's kind of spooky to have one's biography read out like this. Uh, <laughs> but yes, it was correct what you said. Um, I, yeah, I'm glad to be here also because I think it's a very important debate, the one around governance and commons or how to think institutions in relation to commoning. And I'm very much looking forward to hearing what Michael will say. Um, I think it's an interesting debate, uh, not only in the face of the kind of crisis of the, of the democratic form that we've been facing in the last few years, um, but also in relation to the economic crisis, if you like, to some extent, um, because commons allow us to speak both about governance and about economy in some interesting ways. So uh, this is something that a lot of different movements have been taking up from different viewpoints in the last maybe five years or so, new electoral movements springing up, but also new forms of creating uh, infrastructures of the commons or new struggles around social reproduction emerging. And um, and I think there are a lot of vocabularies being built around these. To be honest, my personally, my commons is not the only or the main vocabulary that I move within. So I think in that sense, I haven't worked on it nearly in as deep a way as Michael has. Um, I've been involved in Barcelona and Comú uh, for bit over a year now, not in a kind of uber-central capacity, but I've been picking up things. So I will be referring a little bit to that experience, but I'm not actually going to give a lot of detail now. I think if we want, we could go into more detail in the debate. Um, I wrote a text, which I think is also partly why Bina picked up on me around the relation between the city as a commons and the struggles of, or the, the projects of Barcelona and Comú, which um, I'm not going to refer on refer to too much either today, so we can see later on if we want to go into that kind of specifically city-relating dimension more. What I will do in this presentation is um, kind of open more of a broad conceptual um, diagram, actually, to work through a series of diagrams to see how we think about commons um, in relation to struggles around social reproduction and to see... Um, I think it might be hopefully a useful way to, to keep the discussion going for the rest of the day. So bear with me if it's a little bit conceptual and abstract. Um, and I don't know how you usually run this in these forums. I guess you don't have people interrupting, but take down your questions for, um, for the discussion part. Um, I was just, I've just been to London at a panel around self-organization and institutions, where I think... Um, I'm curious to see what questions will come up today, but we had a, a big discussion also around how we define self-organization. I think different people mean very different things when they say that, a bit similarly to what people might mean when they say commons, and there are so many different models, no, Alström, etc. Um, um, so I wanted to just throw out some very basic work, working definitions uh, to set up my presentation today. Um, so if we think about self-organization, as people doing something together without having been told to do this specifically. So people choosing out of their own desire and will um, to engage in an activity together. Um, and I will be, when I will be speaking about commoning, I will be speaking about it quite a lot in relation to resources, which could be uh, a self-organized management of resources, immaterial or material, but I'm going to be mentioning the word resources quite a lot. Um, so yes, we should we could think about commons as um, resources that are that are um, shared in a self-organized way, um, and so again, also with the word governance, depending on what kind of definition we have of this term, and whether we think uh, of self-organization as a form of self-governance or whether we think governance very much in relation to government, um, we could see to what extent governance functions in different uh, forms of commoning. Um, I'll be coming to Barcelona and Comú a little bit later, I think, with some questions that have come, on, come up in the last half year, for me mostly, because there are a lot of different ways of, of uh, inhabiting the project of Barcelona and Comú, and, uh, uh, and I don't think that there is a general correct way of speaking about it, but rather there's a development of different vocabularies of how you problematize the issues that come up around being... Uh, party that is within the municipal government and yet so linked to social movements. Um, but so I have no truth to tell about that. I only have my own questions, which is what I will be sharing. Um, 
And I think a lot of these questions are to do with how you think also the common in relation to the public. It's a bit of a banal, very broad point, but um, how do we how do we think the relation between these two and how do we... Um, I think a lot of us within social movements or also the cultural sphere are quite used to being parasitic on public institutions. We spoke about this in London now also. So there is one idea that it's possible to common within the public institution by creating a small island or a small niche within it and using the resources of the public institution to do things. This is widely, widely known and used strategy, I think, by many people. Um, but the question that I want to focus on a little bit more today is, can we think institutions themselves as commons um, and to what extent can these be public institutions that we can think as commons? Uh, how would they have to function in order for uh, us to consider them commons? And um, uh, of course, we know there are a lot of contradictions between commons and public institutions. Again, very general things, but um, the logic of the state versus the logic of self-governance, um, the logic to some extent of consensus and debate versus the logic of of the law and of very strict uh, rules. Um, also the logic of shared resources versus the logic of property, which is so closely related to the logic of the state. Um, and speaking of Barcelona and Comú, I think these dilemmas, these tensions, uh, these contradictions between these different logics are uh, well, are not at all easy to resolve. Um, and I guess in every different instance of such new electoral uh, projects emerging. I'm curious to hear about Ecuador also. There are different ways of resolving them, different strategies for resolving them. Um, um, one interesting reference for me is some work that has been done very much in Spain in around 2007-2008 where different people from social movements have started to develop the concept of institutions of the commons. I mean this has maybe conceptually a larger trajectory also relating to the autonomia movement etc um, but where um, people from social movements started to speak about social centers that they were running as institutions of the commons and started to lay a claim on the kind of on the institutional aspect of what they were doing or lay a claim on on um, calling their practices as something that is to be taken seriously as as seriously as a form of of organization and governance and production of um, ideas or relations or goods as um, as possibly public institutions are. So for instance, within the EIPCP, the web journal, the European Institute of Progressive Cultural Policy, which kind of emerges out of Austria a little bit, where I'm also from, uh, there have been different web journals that develop this idea of institutions of the commons a little bit. Um, and it's something that within Spain has really kind of, uh, how do you say, seeped into the, the actual tissue of the social movements and the way that they speak and think about themselves. So it's, it's, it's quite an organic concept to a lot of the social movements, which is also something that has made uh, Barcelona and Comú and these kind of different initiatives possible, I think, because there has been a fertile ground for debates around commons and institutions and how to think about self-governance um, and how to think about institutions beyond the state so um, instituent practices has been another kind of way of speaking about these kind of uh, uh, initiatives. Um, and so I think there the idea is 2007-8 was still very much that, you, that it's possible to create institutions from the bottom up that can challenge the state somehow um, and that can provide some sort of alternative to different forms of the state to different state institutions um, but that was kind of still before uh, the 15M movement happened in Spain and before um, before this, this kind of more electoral horizon of actually taking over the state institutions emerged so clearly. Um, so this is a bit the dilemma that uh, that I think we are facing now where while it's easy enough to think about creating institutions from the bottom up that function as institutions of the commons when you actually come into the public sphere per se and it comes to taking over municipal infrastructures for instance uh, municipal centers uh, schools etc that's a whole other kind of ballpark or a whole other kind of challenge around governance of these kind of structures um, and I'm going to be uh, where am I? I'm on the browser. I'm going to be using two not very pretty uh, diagrams to kind of throw up 
throw around some ideas. I'm going to, this is the one, right? Um, uh, this is a sort of diagram of playing fields of social organization, if you like. It's, it has a lot of things in it and it could have a lot of different names that I developed together with uh, Bua Hansen uh, for a text that we published in the Roar magazine, I think in December, which was called um, Building Power in a Crisis of Social Reproduction. It was an issue of the Roar magazine that was about different ways of thinking about building power. And so we kind of came up with this uh, loose schema, which is really a work in progress still, so I would also be interested in the debate if people have critiques of it or extra ideas of ways of thinking around um, struggles around social reproduction that have happened since the crisis. And just to tell you very briefly, one of the key hypotheses of our, of our text was, um, I think one that is also relatively known by now, that with the crisis um, and with austerity in Europe, um, there have emerged a lot of new struggles that have taken care of, uh, that have paid a lot of attention to the everyday dimension of sustaining life. So due to the failure of a lot of public institutions in providing healthcare um, benefits, etc., uh, people have gotten organized and found ways of providing for themselves in relation to their more or less basic needs. Uh, Greece is a really obvious case of that, no? With the solidarity health clinics, etc. Um, but it's something that has happened more or less in different places in Europe, I think. Perhaps in the north, where the cuts have been less extreme, if one can say that. Um, it has happened in slightly different ways. Um, but so we, we kind of devised this diagram to think a little bit uh, of how these different sort of forms relate to one another and which levels they operate on. So to just briefly um, mention the, to kind of briefly describe this diagram, it has two main axes, let's say. Um, so the vertical one would be um, an axis that runs between more embodied and more representational forms of organization or sociality or praxis. Um, uh, so the, the part of composition and inhabitation is the more embodied kind of form of, uh, of working together on spaces or on resources. So there we put community garden markets, etc. Um, higher up in the more representational sphere you have media uh, not too far off from parties, states, campaigns, petitions. The vertical axis is more to do with um, degrees of organization and formality uh, versus forms of um, more relational and sporadic, sporadic forms of getting together. So as I talk you through it, maybe some of this is going to become more clear, but this is just to very briefly kind of uh, introduce the diagram. Um, the way that these descriptors of forms of organization, or some of them are also just descriptors of um, forms of institution or spaces, the way that they are placed is obviously not, uh, is not some kind of absolute truth, but because uh, a lot of things can be, uh, an online forum can be a lot of things, a family can be a lot of things, a collective can be a lot of things. So um, this is a kind of very generic way of placing some terms just to stir some thought. Uh, and our, our thought in in um, our our main thought with devising this scheme was to kind of look a little bit at where is the main weight in our societies right now of new initiatives emerging. Um, so according to the general political and social conjuncture in a given space and time, um, there might be more initiatives in one spot or the other. Uh, or indeed, maybe we might have a moment where there is a lot of initiatives on all these kind of fields. Um, and Spain, I think, is an interesting uh, case to talk about in the sense that with the 15M movements, you have had a very strong emergence of lots of new initiatives, let's say, in the kind of lower right sphere of um, people gathering together in the streets, occupying squares, a kind of very strong compositional moment, a, a very strong kind of emergence of new forms of relation between people in public space, etc gradually developing into also new forms of organization, new platforms of publishing, um, new groups, new collectives, cooperatives. The, the kind of cooperative economy has also gotten quite a boost through the crisis in the 15M movement. And then gradually shifting towards those becoming even more formal and moving into this, laying claim to the sphere of representation more and more. And um, developing into, elect into electoral platforms eventually. Um, 
so the point is not to say that any of these spheres, let's say, is more important or uh, than any of the other. Um, I think rather getting stuck in any one of these specific areas is a big danger that we should ideally avoid. Um, so this is something that we also spoke about in London now, uh, was how easily we get stuck in one of those spheres and what is the way, what, what tools do we have to f create mobility against these different, uh, sorry, across these different spheres. Um, but I'll come back to that a bit later. Um, yeah, and I want to just quickly um, kind of lay out how we could think about maybe four main spheres within this diagram. I know it's, there's a certain violence in naming things like this and representing them like this, so think of it as a kind of tool, and uh, then you can just forget about it <laughs> afterwards and invent your own tools. Um, so let's say um, to the right, where it says sporadicness relation, we could think of this as a field of more informal, sporadic uh, social relations. So this is the sphere um, of unstable temporary gatherings and forms of relation. The, po the power of this field is um, the power of encounter, the power of really face-to-face -face relations, it's the power of effective contagion, perhaps of forming networks. So if you think about social movements that emerge from uh, like the 15M movement in Spain from calls on social networks, this would be this field where they kind of jump up from. Um, uh, this is not, this is not necessarily the playing field of existing organizations or of representational claims, but it's a kind of field of, um, of encounters of bodies um, uh, that can lead into the building of, of a kind of inhabitational power, almost, which would be the kind of lower part of this diagram, um, which where space plays a really crucial role. So here we have uh, community gardens, markets, squares, streets, the neighborhood, but also towards the more formal side, perhaps social centers, camps, and by camps I mean um, like uh, camps in squares, uh, like they were within the Occupy movement. Um, thinking this diagram for us came also very much to thinking a bit about what happened after the Occupy movement in general, this kind of 2011 moment of social movements and where have they developed in general. So this lower field of composition and inhabitation, we could say, is the field where the politics of care and of, um, of feminist and community building politics is very important. Uh, where there are where grassroots or radical practice in the sense of being very locally rooted are very strong. Um, so there's a strong work on terrain and space in this field to do with neighborhoods, workplaces, etc. Um, and there's been and there is a and it's, this, it's this, the power of this field lies in the creation of common spaces and also in times for conviviality and debate. So um, struggles for land, for housing, local organizing, squatting and food production, neighborhood assemblies, etc. They're kind of a bit more within this sphere, let's say. And so following on the, the kind of thought about what happened after 2011 with social movements, we could say that these movements develop their relational power towards a more powerful compositional element. So via the use of space. So they moved, so the assemblies, the camps, the occupations, they all kind of created space times for relations to deepen and to take on an everyday dimension and develop politics of cares, etc. cetera. Uh, so space is crucial here, enabling not only meetings and socializing, but also uh, the production or even storing distribution of very specific material resources that need spaces. Mm. So here we could say that um, embodied experience is very important, encounters, um, and kind of dealing with materiality of, uh, of space and of social relations, the times of conviviality uh, and the body. And then moving over to this kind of left, left part of the diagram, we could think of it as a kind of sphere that is more to do with the organized social, mm. which is where the capacity to mobilize and organize is channeled into the, into the creation of systems of production, distribution and management of material as well as immaterial goods and symbols. 
So this is where specific protocols for managing things start to be invented, where um, perhaps in the sense of the Ostrom definition of commoning, where these kind of rules are start to be laid out and where there's a certain formalization that takes place. Um, which starts to then also, which is why this is a little bit closer to the kind of, which starts to come close to the institutional dimension also. Um, so this sphere too draws strongly on sites. Um, um, and it also is an important sphere to before beginning to gain legal and symbolic recognition of official interlocutors or institutions. So in this sphere, you have cooperatives, uh, associations, associations meaning Vereine, like what you mentioned earlier. Um, yeah, but also clubs. Um, and then if we move from there up towards the kind of more representation mediatic sphere. Um, we could say that that, that is like this, the sphere of more capital P politics and of representation. So we have um, big media, the state parties, kind of in that in that area, um, where what is at stake is not so much the creation of a collective subject. Um, so if we think about self-organization or commoning, it's very much. I think it's. We'll see what other definitions you operate by, and if you disagree with me. But I would say that what is at stake very often is the creation of a collective subject that to some extent invents its own rules and, uh, and answers to itself mostly. Whereas when we move up to the kind of representational sphere, what is at stake is more perhaps the creation of collective objects or something in any case, what is at stake is actually answering to an outside and not just to oneself. So um, at the farther out extremes, you could think about the state parties unions. Um, and again, the way that these precise words are positioned um, is somewhat, uh, yeah, they can be moved around for sure. Uh, within this sphere of representation and mediation, which is also, if you think about the state and parties, which is also a, a sphere where there's a very high degree of organization, very high degree of protocols of different forms of um, decision-making rules, delegation, etc. Um, change in this sphere is much slower, obviously, than in the in an open assembly or in the in the squares, etc because they are very complicated protocols um, and there's very multi-layered decision-making um, procedures. In this sphere also we could say that the problem isn't so much legitimacy per se in the view of, um, of, uh, of, of the authorities, let's say, um, nor is it a problem of resources so much, um, but the main problem we face in this sphere is to do with uh, the multiplicity of interests of people, of, of agents acting within this sphere, in, uh, agents both from within, let's say the state, for instance, or a municipal government, but also agents outside of it. Um, could be unions, corporations, but also organized networks, campaigns, etc. Um, and so this sphere, um, due to its slowness and due to its kind of rigidity of protocol, can easily become disconnected from the, these other spheres. Uh, so one key question would be, how do you, it's a very simple question, but how do you maintain this kind of link to other spheres um, instead, of develop, instead of becoming an autonomous sphere that just acts by itself? And so Spain in general, I would say, um, both through the European elections that happened in May 2015, no, 2015, yes, no, before. Anyways, when were the European elections? Were they 2015 or 14? <laughs> they were, in any case, 14, no? Yeah. So the first the European elections, the municipal elections, uh, the emergence of Podemos as a statewide party platform. There has been a kind of eruption into this kind of upper left sphere, if you like, of, of social movements and different kind of forms of organizations uh, that existed within society. Um, and this brought with it both a kind of 
very fast and very creative invention of new forms of protocols and a very strong critique of the existing ways in which the state operated. Um, I mean, the 15M movement started out with a claim they don't represent us, so it was a direct attack on this fear and then gradually moving towards, um, towards wanting to propose alternative ways for this sphere to function. Um, and just to briefly think through what forms of com what commoning might mean in these different spheres also. Uh, I think we should talk about this more later, but to think about the compositional sphere at the bottom of the diagram, for instance, we could think that commoning there also is something that relates very much to space and perhaps to material resources. Um, whereas commoning in this more um, sporadic relational sphere uh, is more to do with um, either commoning around specific things, but also knowledges and just relations, affects. Uh, in the organizational sphere on the left, um, we might think that commoning is more to do with shared problems and shared strategies um, and shared protocols, possibly even. And the big question about how to think commoning in relation to the representational sphere, I think there we move into the domain of rights, things like this. But, um, but I think it's an open question to what extent we can think that with the paradigm of commoning. We'll see. Um, but just a few kind of questions to bring in there would be, um, can commoning as a non-hierarchical or self-governing practice happen in the domain of public institutions? And if it can, how, how can we think that? How can we imagine that? What can that mean? Um, so beyond this parasitic inhabitation of, of the public sphere. But what can, can the public become a form of commoning? Um, and if we think that might that mean, does that mean a little bit like maybe akin to what you said of Ostrom saying that, uh, well, the question of scale, is that, but can that mean that the public the, a government, a state, etc., needs to let go of a resource in order for it to become commonable. Is that is that the way to think about it? So, is the way of thinking the common within the public? Um, does that mean that this, that essentially it's about the state letting go? Um, and if so, how can we think this release of resources into hand into the hands of of society? or into the hands of the people, or into the hands of communities, again there, depending on which conceptual term you focus on, it might, the question might look different also, because society is quite a different paradigm to the people or to communities, specific communities. Um, and so now I wanted to just briefly, I'm not sure where I am with time, but... Okay, so I'll try and wrap it up a little bit. Um, I wanted to share just a few kind of also relatively general thoughts around the, the kind of dilemma that Barcelona and Comú is facing now and that many similar kind of institutional movements in Spain are working through right now, um, which is very much this dilemma between the commons and the public and how you create, create this eruption of the common within the public. Um, and that's on the one hand, I think right now is still very much about just finding ways of developing a language around this problem in itself, finding a way of formulating critiques and limits of the experimentation of these new forms of governance um, and finding a way to position oneself in relation to them because they have come out of social movements and they have kind of morphed in many cases into parties which, and the parties now are governing in the town hall, for instance, where they are again articulated with a lot of other parties. So um, in terms of formulating critique or developing a vocabulary, it's also, it's a bit of a head fuck to use a not so uh, child friendly word, um, to think about um, how do we position ourselves when we make these critiques. There are critiques coming very much from the outside. There is a kind of more anarchist impulse, if you like, of saying, ah, we knew it all along. Look, you're not you know, managing to do what, you were, what we were expecting you to do. Here we go. This is confirmed. Uh, we should never touch this level. You know, you're just going to burn your fingers and you're going to fuck us all up if you go up there into this kind of upper left sphere. Um, then there are, and then there are these different ways of saying, ah, but can we inhabit a critique that is, has one foot within and one foot outside? Or... Um, 
what forms of thinking about how we relate and position ourselves um, in relation to these new parties and governments um, can we invent? And I think this is very much an open question still right now, um, but like a very, very key one. Um, how can we find ways to not end up um, with a total polarization, where again, we have this situation that we see these fields as being entirely separated and as kind of competing with each other, essentially, which is very often the paradigm within which politics operates, I think. Um, and how can we also think different forms of um, mobility across this, across this map, perhaps? So if you think about the way we, we generally valorize uh, organizational processes, very like th this movement of scaling up or of moving into the more formal or institutional domain, is something that's generally perceived as a success. No, if you if you manage to bring your collective to into being a cooperative, this is a success, etc. So somehow there is this idea that you move up, it's good because you have a broader claim on things, but also because moving up often means more material security, more power for deciding in general. So it's also related to your position in social space. Um, and moving down is always perceived as a failure, right? So I think one question that the social movements and the new municipal and um, institutional movements in Spain and elsewhere, but let's say in Spain, will face very soon is also, so if you've been there, can you come back down? What does that mean? How do you manage to do that without the narrative of failure? Um, and how can you just develop a vision of society needing mobility between these spheres in general, rather than having to um, be completely rigidly based in, the f in, in one field dominating? So one thing that um, the mayor of Barcelona, but so many other political figures of this new generation have said many times is we need the social movements to be strong, you know, we need you to be out there to keep critiquing us. Don't you think that we're going to be able to do all the things that we would like to do because there are all the limitations within this kind of political sphere? So keep the strength within the social movements, etc. And I have another, yeah, let's see. So basically, uh, in, the, in terms of Barcelona, from my personal experience, I feel that there are kind of, there's a strong tension between social movements, the party that Barcelona and Comú eventually became, even though people didn't realize that it was actually a party un until quite a few months later, because uh, there was the campaign for the, for the, there was the electoral campaign, and there was some level of formalization that went with it. The, a, a party was registered, but that seemed just like a mere side effect until eventually, when when we came into government, people realized, oh, what we have on our hands now is actually a party with all that implies, you know, and this is very different from a social movement. Plus, with the entering into government, there's the city hall or the town hall as, an, as another entirely different political sphere. So um, I just kind of tried to visualize the different forms, where the strengths um, and weight of these different three formations lie. So if you think about the 15M movement, for instance, it's a movement that drew very strongly on this relational power, the power to mobilize people very fast, to go into the street, um, a kind of yeah, contagion of affect, of messages, slogans, etc. It's very soon developed a compositional power in a very strong way, so a kind of occupation of space that was very, very strong and that maintained strong for a long time. Um, also, a lot of new initiatives arose from it, like I said. Um, maybe somewhere I wrote down a list of it. Uh, no, but new forms of cooperatives, uh, new publishing media, etc. So there was a development of organizational power and of new organizations emerging and the representational power due to the strong use of social media and very clever strategic use of social media was also very high of this movement and due to it just being really big. Um, then if you think of Barcelona and Comú, uh, and this would be a little bit how I see it now, 
but again, other people in Barcelona and Comú might not see it like this, so this is just my personal narrative here, is that there is still a relatively strong relational power. There's a lot of people in this organization that have been activists together throughout years and years. There's relatively strong culture of trust. Uh, the electoral campaign has been a really strong bonding moment for people, so that's, that relational force is still there. Um, which is not to say that it couldn't disappear or become alienated relatively quickly. There's a relatively strong compositional power because the link to social movements and to different spaces, to the neighborhood assemblies, etc., is also still there. So the city as a space is something that Barcelona and Comú still is very, very close to, and all the different kind of um, organizational platforms that the city implies. And Barcelona in general is a city that has very, very strong tradition of neighborhood movements, etc. So the kind of terrain is a very powerful thing there. There's a relatively high organizational power in the sense of the, develop the capacity to develop new protocols, new proposals, to form new working groups um, is also very high. And let's, yeah, so it's been, Barcelona and Comú has been in, been around for not even one year now, just to give you a sense. So this is a kind of a snapshot of, uh, still a very early snapshot. And the representational power is also relatively high. It's good access to media, um, it's very close to the government, or it's within the government, etc. But then if you think about the city hall, which is what I tried to mark out in green, you face a different kind of monster, I would say. Relatively alienated social relations, or maybe friendships, but, uh, but not a sense of a, a, a social common. Relatively high representational power, because it's a city hall, it's a town hall. Um, an okay amount of organizational power in the sense that there is also the possibility to act, albeit slower, and not very high compositional power in the sense that uh, it's a relatively top-down relation to, to the districts, to the neighborhoods, etc. And um, yeah, so I think right now, and I, I'm curious whether this is something that can be thought in similar ways in relation to Ecuador, the many different cases that you have kind of been a part of. But this tension between these, these three things, and you have to imagine that, okay, the 15M movement started in 2011, but it's still, it's still, it has a, it's left a shadow or a legacy that is still there and very strong and people still, the social movements still understand themselves as within the 15M paradigm, so it's not dead. But so this shift between social movements, a party platform that campaigned for the elections, and then part of whom, because there is also the party that is not, there's a lot of people within the party and a lot of structures of the party that are not within the government, but then there is one part that is very, very strongly linked to the government. And so this tension between these spheres is um, it's a pretty brutal one. Um, and the question of how information flows between these three, how decision-making comes to be shared or not, um, What's, what is of the common? The movement is understood to be of the common, Barcelona and Comú to some extent. Can, how do you think the, the, the town hall and the city government in relation to common decision-making processes? Uh, it's very much an open question. Um, yeah, and so we can go into concrete examples maybe later. But um, yes, I'll just leave it at this maybe, no? Yeah, Good. This one? Do you want discussion first? Yeah, we wanted Here to do... We so what we, what we thought, like, you talk, then we have a 15-minute, like, time for, basically for questions. Then we have a little break, and then you start. Uh, so you, Michel, you start uh, right at, uh, at like, uh, in 20 minutes or so. There's a little time, let's say 10 minutes for discussion, and 10 minutes break, and then at half past three, then Michel starts. So... Um, um, I'm not even going to try to summarize it, but thank you very much. No, it's very, very well uh, thought out, uh, I think, already. No, 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 and, and all the different tensions, uh, you've, you've really, you've really like, oh, like sketched these very well and opened it up. And I guess there are many questions, and I would like to open the floor to those. Then. I'll try to write them down too, so that we can remember them for the discussion. But uh, let's say, are there many people with questions? No, one, Bina, you had one I saw? No, oh, no, no. Oh, it's not so much. Two, okay. Well, let's just see. 
what they are, and uh, if you can both ask them first, and then Manuela can answer, that's maybe easiest. And you want a mic, I guess, yeah? yeah. Something that's important to mention, which I didn't do earlier, everything's being recorded, so... Uh, <laughs> I mean, not, not to put pressure on anyone, but it's for all eternity, the questions that you ask, so... Uh, <laughs> who, who was... Uh, sorry, who had a question? Um, thanks. Thanks for your talk. Um, so you mentioned before that the um, that in a way it was more on the representation side, this, the representation sphere, where it was difficult to reconcile uh, to reconcile uh, different claims. Um, but then, if you look at how uh, social movements normally work, I would say that that is also quite difficult to reconcile different claims and interests. Um, there, um, because there's different people uh, with different needs and that want to who want them to be solved somehow. <clears throat> so, um, so how, yeah, I would just like to have some thoughts about like why, uh, how would you say that there's also different needs and to reconcile in in a compositional uh, sphere. <clears throat> um, Yes, that would be a <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think um, I can. Well, no, it doesn't matter. Um, I was wondering if um, um, there's any um, comparison with the communalism and Bukchin's ideas and things that are developing now in Rojava and in the Kurdish uh, situation. And if if you met like ways to discuss this or to involve this in, in the discussion that is uh, happening in Barcelona. And the sa in, the, in the same way, it popped up, uh, I thought, in the Latin America situation, of course, there was also, I mean, um, in Bolivia, Evo Morales won the elections with a, a strong indigenous platform. And they had these discussions about what social movements should, uh, should do with the fact that suddenly people from their constituency popped up uh, at the presidential palace and how to relate to them. And I think there was some kind of an idea that emerged, and I'd, I would be wondering how you discussed this of verticalism as a solution like the horizontalism was was this what 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 came out of the globalization movement and the social forums and which was basically uh, cynical towards parties you could say and well verticalism is of course the old uh, uh, left uh, way of trying to solve problems and to to make some kind of um, workable solution between those spheres, the idea of verticalism was uh, thought of, and, uh, and what I hear from Bolivia, it didn't work there, but um, I, I don't know, you might have other information. Maybe I'll try and answer the second one first, although I'm not sure that I have a real answer like that. I mean, in terms of Rojava, there's some people that have links. There's a delegation just traveling to Rojava, and I think somebody from Barcelona and Comú is going. So it's there as a reference. Um, and there might be some people working very... I mean, I'm sure there are people working specifically on this, but I can't tell you any detail, I'm afraid. Um, uh, yes. Yes, apart from the fact that we have been discussing also because I'm working a little bit on the migration issue and also thinking about all the people that are... Like all the Kurdish refugees that are coming now and like what cities might be interesting for them to go to within Europe now because they have a lot of knowledges that they can share and um, and it's a shame that there's not a lot of people coming through to Spain because the state doesn't accept many refugees. But that's just a side note. Um, and in terms of the verticalism, uh, I don't know that much about the Bolivian experience, but in general I think in Spain, in Podemos, you have verticalism in some sense. I mean, the Podemos kind of closed circle is a, their kind of political way of functioning is very much to do, despite starting off from kind of different um, uh, circulos, they were called, so kind of circles working on different themes and within different neighborhoods, which also still exists, but um, from the kind of central 
committee or central group of Podemos, there has been a certain kind of slap in the face towards this kind of more basic democratic uh, horizontalist way of working at some point, which I think is to do, although we, we would have to explore how, but I think it's to do with the logic of the state also, which is much more, yet another level up in terms of its brutality and, and harshness. Um, in terms of the kind of enemies that you are facing. So the kind of benefit of some of the municipalist movements is that uh, it's a smaller territory, It's the, there's more proximity to the social movements, and so there's perhaps more capacity to develop a kind of more commoning, horizontalist um, way of, uh, of the government, the city government interacting with the city itself. Um, I think you are going to talk a little bit about state, regional, and city level later also, no? So I'm curious to hear about this. And in terms of your question about um, the kind of uh, tensions, or how did you formulate it, the sort of um, claims that people lay, different claims that people lay within all the other spheres, especially in the more, what I've called the kind of compositional one, no? Um, I mean, totally. I think the what I was trying to say is that it's it's much more it's much more difficult to have access to decision making uh, within the kind of state or within the more institutional, highly organized and highly represent, representational sphere. Also, happy to have other terms being proposed for the names of these spheres because it's a kind of, it's a double meaning of representation in the sense of somebody representing others, but also in a kind of mediatic sense of, uh, it's the sphere where, where the media are very powerful and where you play very much with selling your ideas to a broad public. Um, and so I think one key difference is quite simply that you can negotiate around these kind of tensions in a much more direct way when you are in an assembly or when you're out on the street or when you're in a community garden or whatever. But when it comes to trying to negotiate these kind of conflicts at the level of a, of a department within the city hall or whatever, there are so many doors and protocols and... Uh, people that you have to speak to around other people's backs. There's a lot of information that you have to get. Um, so it's, make, it's much more inaccessible, I think. I mean, one term that is, I feel is like one of the biggest stumbling stones, but I also don't know how you get around this within this kind of, what I have at least learned from the, let's say, Barcelona and Comú as a party relating to the city government, is that you keep running up against this term, it's not our competency. So the city hall is full of competencies. This person has their specific, it's about a division of labor in some sense, but it's also a division of, of decision-making power, essentially. Um, and so this is something that within the social movement you didn't face like this, because even though there might be a division of labor, there might be a certain flexibility still around um, proposing things to people, even if you're not in the perfectly right position to be making a certain proposal. So constantly running up against kind of saying, oh no, this is not our competency. And so this is something I think very interesting around the municipal movements and we, within the migration working group, um, we're looking into this a little bit in relation to the fact that the central state is not bringing refugees. They should, be, they should have relocated 17,000 people via Greece, Italy and Hungary, but um, the kind of central government traditionally, and let's see what's the, what the new one will be like, but they've had zero interest in bringing in people. They've had a very kind of anti-migration politics. Um, and yet the cities have devised pretty big budgets to host people. When the so-called refugee crisis started in September, Barcelona has declared itself a refuge city. There's a lot of neighborhood groups getting organized. There's a lot of money. And yet these people are not coming because uh, asylum, migration rights, etc., is the competency of the state. It's not the municipal competency. You can provide social services to people when they come, but you can't bring them in. This is like one example of um, of a thousand, no? So it's an interesting moment, the tension between the state and the cities right now in the sense that it's, I think it's very much about inventing kind of hacks or ways around these rigidly defined competencies between, for instance, state, region, city, but also perhaps within the city. And maybe that's one way of thinking, commoning actually, I'm not sure but to kind of think of a way of opening these kind of closely defined areas of responsibility. And I have to look at that myself. 
Well, we can do one more because that's that's interesting, right? You mentioned in uh, the com your one definition of commoning, possible definition that you gave us that the commoning could be like creation of a collective subject, um, and the organizations feel more the the collective object. Mm. And then you said that the, the the collective subject, the commoning subject, is intent on stru structuring itself or mostly busy with internal compositions. But then again, answering to itself, I think is what right. Said. Mm. That's it. Okay, so it's about answering to yourself because you. Okay, that that was one question I had, but it's pretty easily resolved then. Um, it's also. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking out loud to some extent. Uh, it's not like I have a. I don't have a PhD thesis written on this. I have a PhD thesis written on something completely different. So. Well, let's touch on rights for the last two minutes. Because they came up. And of course, it is a question that we all have to face. We have a artwork there um, that, that specifically tried to work on the uh, on housing situation instead of having property deeds to work towards use rights. Uh, or work back towards work well well what yeah it's a difficult question but um you touched up on it do you have any idea on it um can you give me a bit more of a specific question because yeah. I, I don't have um off the top of my head so in in the the the, f the other um diagram that you showed um coming towards the, the um, representational axis or, or the, that side of the axis, uh, rights become more, more and more important, you said. But you framed that as if that is a, um, uh, a problem. So let's ask very specifically, are people working in Barcelona and Camus on different idea, conceptions of rights? Mm -hmm. That is maybe very easy. Mm. Is that happening? Mm. Let me think for a second. What's on this one? Maybe mm. in relation to like right to the cities. Yeah, for mm. that's the one you quote in one of your texts too, of course. Mm. Uh, yeah. I mean, like in a very in very boring kind of juridical terms, there are these juridical documents that are called cartas in Spanish that are like juridical frameworks that concern the city. Mm. So Barcelona has signed all kinds of. Uh, agreements between cities about different kind of forms of right th that should exist within the city and it can do this for itself also. So, I mean, it's, I'm coming back to the competency thing because this is what we are kind of constantly facing. But, but like generally, the laws are being made by the state on the most of the level. So, depends what you mean by right. But like, you can... I think you can maybe create more practical rights through creating mm -hmm. access to different structures. Yeah. But as a city, you generally speaking, you are still bound mostly to the laws actually of the central state, you know? Yeah. Okay. Um, well, that is, that is good. That is where we are. Stay. If that's what we face then. Good to stop and take a break. Thank you very much. Thanks.